Hello, everybody. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Bree. And welcome back to what? The podcast. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about ethics and science. Bree and I mentioned this uh, last week towards the end of the podcast, and we figured that it would be a really fun topic to talk about, you know, for an entire podcast. So, a lot of what ethics is on the front end is being honest with your results and making sure that you're not falsifying data data or um have just generally having incorrect conclusions right right because there are people who will stretch the data that they get for a conclusion and that's not being scientifically ethical but specifically we wanted to talk about um ethically dubious scientific endeavors that are happening at this moment (laughs) like designer babies yeah, like designer babies. What do you think about designer babies? Um, I think it is interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, we're still very well. I actually don't know how far off we are from like perfecting designer babies because we do have like the CRISPR that lets you edit genes and stuff. Yeah, for those who are unaware, designer babies. It's the idea that you can edit the genome. Of a fetus. Well, actually, of, like, smaller, like, pre-implantation is from my understanding. Right, so, like, eggs and sperm and stuff and make sure that they get specific genes. So if you want your baby to... Have blue eyes. Have blue eyes, yeah. Or, you know... Currently, it's being looked into for medical reasons, such as if if you're diabetic and you don't want your kid to have diabetes. I don't know if that's a genetic... Thing, but like if you have like a genetic disorder and you don't want that kid to have it and the other parent has the the dominant trait or whatever you can edit down the ge- the genes in the egg and the sperm to be able to prevent that child from having that and that's what is being looked at right now but then the ethics come up when you start talking about the designer babies which is well ethics come up even before that like especially if you come from like a religious background it's like that baby's God's will, as they would say. Right. And so then by going in and, you know, inserting yourself and, like, changing what was, like, heaven's gift, right? then you, therefore, are breaking some ethical code and that, you know. Right. But in terms of, like, scientific ethics, does or should that even be a conversation? in terms of science that like that's religion yeah should well, that even be a conversation in terms of what's being done i mean it is a conversation to some i mean if you are thoroughly religious and you think that this thing is wrong but personally i guess i think we have to ask questions obviously sure. um you know religious people might see it as wrong but is their point of view overweigh, you know, the potential good of not having a baby with some seriously degenerative mm-hmm. diseases? Sure. Um, because that's soul-crushing to the parents that might have that baby. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just, like, your perspective on, like, what you think, your, your personal moral ethics. Sure. But my question, I guess, is that should the personal moral ethics be what is the... Um, industry standard for research ethics should that even be a conversation or what type of if not like where are we getting the 
the standards for scientific ethics and research ethics if it's not going to be from well it's a it's a, like there's a difference between like like the ethics we're talking about is like a a social ethics versus like the personal ethics and that's mm-hmm. based off of every individual sure so i guess our current ethical standards are held to the the societal ethics like animal testing for example like that is still very widely recognized within the scientific community as mm-hmm. okay but if you ask like many people they're not okay with animal testing sure but at what point should you let the opinion of the general populace come into play for research and what where science is going at what point should the scientists stop and go hmm well maybe we should listen to what they have to say or at what point at what point does the government have a responsibility to step in at what point is that's what i'm trying to like you know say is that is is that in general scientific advancement is really fantastic but like at what what is that line that somebody would have an ethical obligation to step in and say let's not do this if it harms people Okay, well then let's let's talk about the animal testing then. It doesn't harm people. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's okay to do. Okay. So, are you saying, too, that, that then the government has no well, right they... to impose laws saying that they can't test on animals? No, of course not. They, the government can impose laws whenever they want. But the thing is, the government has stipulated laws that animal testing is required for medication to pass the FDA. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, the government in turn is the one setting the ethical boundaries for science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is frustrating, I think, to a certain degree. I, I, so I sit in this boat of I did a lot of undergraduate research with genetically modified plants, mm-hmm. and I am... I get like overwhelmingly frustrated when people are like, they're so dangerous. They're not, they're not dangerous. My entire senior thesis was on that and Mm -hmm. how people just get freaked out. But right now the government and the laws um, are sort of uh, full stopping these, these scientific advancements that could help a lot of people. Like for example, golden rice. I don't know if you're familiar with golden rice, are you? No, I don't think so. So golden rice is a genetically modified strain of rice that was created to have beta carotene, which is the precursor to vitamin A. Mm-hmm. And they figure that there's a lot of vitamin A deficiencies in a lot of third world countries where their primary nutrients is rice. So if they can create a rice that grows the same but has the precursor to vitamin A, that could solve vitamin A deficiencies in a lot of third world countries where they might not be able to get the vitamins and all of those things, but they can grow rice. So that has been in the works for years and years and years and years and years. And it's gone through so many tests and it's gone through, you know, all of the hoops that, that has been required that they jump through, but it's still not approved to be sent abroad. But every year that it's not, people are dying of vitamin A deficiency and respective problems after that. So that's, that's where I sit of, I, I constantly sit on this line of, sure, we should have people regulating scientific advancement, but where is that line and when is it okay to say, 
even though I don't understand this fully, I'm going to make a law restricting it. I don't know. That's that's sort of like my question is mm -hmm. is really who's making the calls about what's ethical and what's not and is that okay? Because there's a lot of scientific advancements that could help a lot of people but yeah, but there's a lot that can hurt people too. Yeah, of course. And I think that for the most part, you know, the regulations that are set are because something went wrong. <clears throat> so in a sense, it is protecting more people than it is harming. Like the golden rice thing, I mean, it's unfortunate that they are still unable to send it abroad, but, you know, it could be protecting someone else from creating something that would hurt a lot of people if it wasn't scrutinized enough. Yeah, that's, here's the thing, that's the thing with the GMOs at this point, is that they are so new that they haven't been released into the market yet. So I get that they're being overly cautious, but this is a case where, like, it's not that something has been created that's really harmful. It's just people are afraid mm. of them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I know in this case that's what that is, but I'm just in saying. In general. In general, like, the things that might be holding back to something good are also, you know, probably holding back to something that's terrible that they just don't realize yet. That's fair. That's fair, I guess. I mean, everything has its, like, process. And unfortunately, you know, it might hold back positive research, you know, in the long run. But I feel like anything that's good would make it through the process eventually. That's true. I'm not saying we don't have rules that we could re-look at and re-figure out a better way to go about them. Like, mm -hmm. you know, animal testing. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there's also a lot of things that do get muted. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that sort of brings us back to the designer baby thing, is that there's, there's a lot of people who would argue, like, you know, oh, well, if we start doing that, then where's the line? Why can't people just make their babies have blue eyes and blonde hair and whatever, or, like, freckles? And I guess my question would be, why would that be a bad thing? Why would it be a bad thing if the parents could pick what eye and hair color? Like, I'm not saying that I, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, saying that, like, I get that that's a lot of people's, you know, argument against gene editing for humans. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my, my biggest question, I think, is, you know, why not? Why would that be bad? I guess... I don't know. Have you seen the movie uh, Gattaca? I have not. With Jude Law? <laughs> um, that movie is basically the premise of, like, everyone has designer babies, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, they've created, like, this superhuman society. Not, like, special powers, but just, like, the best genes. Like, you know, all of the, you know, they can build muscle easier, run longer distances, hold their breath longer, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And, like, no diseases. Like screening eggs for potential like addiction genes and such like things like that but in that movie it was like for a price so it separated the rich from the poor mm. because it was so expensive and then it they also like you could get certain jobs based off based off of your genome so mm. they would like your genome would tell you like what jobs you can do so Jude Law in the movie, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this 90s movie, um, <laughs> uh, he wasn't a designer baby, but he took his, I think he took his brother's, who was, genome, 
so that he can become an astronaut, even though his job was only to be, like, a janitor, I believe. Mm. Um, but he, like, worked so hard to do that, but he was never, you know, he couldn't ever pass it because they would take his blood and be like, no, right, you right. can't do this. You don't have, like, all of these high stats. Mm. That's fair. I Yeah, for sure. My brain goes to the place of, like, would those people be allowed to compete in the Olympics? Would those people be allowed to whatever? And I want to see an Olympics where everybody can take as many drugs as they want, as many steroids as they want, and just see what the limit of human bodies is. Like, maybe we could have that sort of thing. That's also an ethical question, though. Like, should we allow that? Should we allow someone to push their body so far and potentially damage and or hurt themselves for public entertainment? I mean, it's not your body. Yeah, but, you know, the competition brings out um, that drive, that, like, natural human drive to be the best. Mm -hmm. And so they would would destroy themselves to win. Yeah. I mean, but if that's worth it to them, who are we to say, no, you can't do that? Well, but it's a monetary gain. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Why is that a bad thing? Well, it's a bad thing is because they are competing for money. Oh, so if it was just for, like, glory or the title. Yeah, that'd be different, but it's... For money. It's for money. For sure. So it's... it's... Well, I mean, let's think about it like this. There are people who work three jobs and neglect their health and, you know, will sometimes do things like do cocaine to stay awake for, you know, however long, but they, they do it for the money to feed the family to keep things afloat and is that different like at its core like I get that the circumstances are different and I am not saying that I'm not like equating to a a, you know mother in poverty of four who works four jobs to an Olympic athlete who takes steroids like I'm not making that direct comparison but I'm saying that if it's the monetary thing well I mean I guess that's like would you consider forcing someone to work that much and do all of that just to put food on their table ethical? No. Then of yeah, it's not. the same thing. Okay, let me let me pose it like this. If hypothetically we had the baseline of um, you know, everybody had enough money, you could it's like the idea of universal income. Are you aware of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just for anyone who's unaware of that, universal income is you get a certain amount of money per month um, just for being a citizen. And then... From a certain age to a certain From age. a certain age to a certain age just, just for being a citizen. Basically afford rent. Yes, exactly. And so that would... That equalizes to a certain extent. And then anything beyond that, you can continue... You can work other jobs that pay more. You can you know, do all of these other things, but it gives people the opportunity to pursue actual things that they want to pursue who other, who people who and might not, not be able to. And not work three jobs. And not work three jobs, Just exactly. Just to feed their family. So hypothetically, let's say everybody's got that starting point. And it's not a matter of money for need. It's money for want. Would there be a problem at that point for someone on steroids? competing for monetary value if it's just for the want? I guess it, I mean, if it's a want, it's a desire. It's it's different than like a need or 
Uh, I don't know. I right. don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. I think that... Because if it's not taking away from someone else who needs it. Well, yeah. I think if it's if they are totally informed of the risks and maybe have a psych check, I can see it... I mean, it would be interesting to see how far the human like the human body can go. It would yeah. be very fascinating, and the limitations that we set on ourselves are kind of crazy sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, for sure. So, so then, oh, I guess. Uh, I mean, you have to think about the current state ath- of because athletes any, like yeah. they they already do a lot of stuff not necessarily like the illegal like taking steroid stuff but for example like runners they would often go and hang out in colorado denver for a little bit before a run because it changes like you get a physiological stress that makes your um red blood cells pump up higher because you're not born there Mm -hmm. so to get enough oxygen in a low oxygen environment you'd get more red blood cells so they would go there pre-race hang out there build up all that extra blood, red blood cells, then go to the race so that they would have more oxygen, could run farther, faster, et cetera, et cetera. But sure. that's totally legal. Yes. But not everybody does that. And if, so it does you, give them an advantage. It does give them an advantage. But if, I mean, I feel like if you're at the top, you, you everyone is doing that. That's fair. That Yeah, that's totally fair. I think, yeah, I think that there's a lot of... Um, things when it comes to you know competition and that sort of thing and I think that if money were not a motivator like in terms of for need I think that it would be hilarious just to let people do whatever they wanted because I mean it's it's their own thing it's their body they as long as they know what they're doing mm-hmm. you know that's their yeah I mean prerogative I'm, I'm all for letting people do what they want with their bodies I just like feel like a lot of people don't get as informed about what those things can do no, and absolutely. they might be pushed by, like, their coach or, you know, someone to, like, reach fame or whatever sure. their goals are and not be fully informed. Just be like, oh, this will help you run faster. It'll help you run farther, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And Jump not really higher. know the negatives that yeah. are associated with that. They're like, oh, I'm going to stop you there. That sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. I want to be the best. So just as long as I think everybody has all the information. Yes. So then going back to the idea of designer babies, would it be okay if it wasn't going to be an issue? Uh, and again, you know, it's it would be an entirely different conversation if it was like in the normal world of, of it would probably become a money thing. But if it's not, is there a problem with it? I mean, it would be a money thing. Because, like, you think of IVF. Like, yeah. many people can't get that because it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have fertility problems. That's true. But does that make IVF a bad thing that we shouldn't have just because people can't afford it? Well, IVF, I guess if you're comparing the two, it's it's very different. One is Absolutely. just, like, you know, pain to be able to be pregnant versus pain for a specific child that you desire. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and in terms of, like, the designer babies, too, like, it's, there's also the, like, what we're actually looking at doing right now, which is the, the editing the genome to avoid specific diseases and um, degenerative gene issues. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I mean, if you can afford it, is it like if if we look at it from that point of view, like in terms of like before the if we, you know, don't I, talk about like the whole, you know, oh well people would use it for blonde hair, blue eyes, is it okay that people are doing it to avoid genetic pitfalls? Well, I guess that depends. Like you can ask are they doing it for mental disorders or are they doing it for physical life threatening disorders? Because uh -huh. if they do it for like, you know, autism or you know to exclude depression or uh anxiety mm -hmm. or um down syndrome even mm -hmm. is that ethical versus is it ethical to get rid of you know scoliosis or that's whatever? a really good question i that is a really good question i think i think that we can put into categories i would say that getting eliminating Anxiety and depression is on a different level than eliminating Down syndrome or autism. Mm -hmm. As someone with depression and anxiety, 100% do that. <laughs> Make it gone. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I would put that as... I think, the, I think really the big difference is, for me at least, is that... I take medication for my anxiety and my depression just like someone with like a, a degenerative nerve disorder would take medicine yeah, but... for but you can't really take medication for down syndrome or for i mean you can for autism but that, that would be more like symptom management mm -hmm. so i guess i would say that yes it would ask, be ethical for if, part of it well if you ask any parent of a down syndrome child they sure. would be like they're they are the happiest people like they yeah they wouldn't have changed anything for the world sure you know so it's like why would we be the ones to decide that people with those disorders shouldn't exist that's a good point i think i would counterpoint and say that why should be the why should we be the ones to decide that the parents shouldn't have the option of deciding that because there are people who are just not they are they don't have the capacity to handle having being a caretaker of a child who may not be able to care for themselves when they get older. Mm -hmm. There's some people who just wouldn't be able to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm I'm well, saying that, you know, we wouldn't have to but that wouldn't would go force it, but shouldn't they have the option? Well, I mean that would go back to um uh a separating rich from poor thing if it's a you have to pay a lot to do this thing mm -hmm. then why is it that the rich people are the only ones that can say oh I don't have the capacity for that versus poor people who wouldn't get that choice sure it, al it always seems to come back to money doesn't it I mean if it's that's how the world works I know which sucks <laughs> yeah I mean that is a good question though and if if anybody listening has an opinion on that we'd love to hear about that like is it would it be an ethical thing to be able to um gene edit to eliminate certain mental disorders or or abnormal gene compositions like down syndrome would that be ethical why or why not um i do have another ethics question this is something that that i have had the question of and this is what I was alluding to before 
when we were talking in the other podcast. This is the thing. This is the specific thing that I was that I was. Um, I have this idea, but I get a lot of crap for it, and I'm not saying that I I necessarily support it, but it's a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would just like to put that out there that this is not something that I am advocating for, but it is just a question that I have, and I have been called a bad person for having the question. Oh no. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. So, <laughs> medical science is great, and it has been advancing significantly, mm. but it's mm. also preventing natural selection mm. from being. I, and again, I'm not saying but natural selection in evolution and in biology <laughs> is the ability and the fitness to reproduce and to. Um, be able to adapt well to your environment. Mm-hmm. Are we objectively making the human race weaker as a whole by um, furthering medical science that keeps certain people alive who wouldn't be normally? And this is also coming from someone who is blind as a bat, who would not survive in a post-apocalyptic world also has, you know, depression, anxiety, and asthma. So it's like I am kind of one of those people that would not survive if the world went to shit and, you know, that sort of thing. But, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying, are we making the human race weaker as a whole by doing that? And are we at a, and are we at a point in our society and our evolution where we don't have to worry about that because we are at the point of medical science? and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess I would say, like, in a civilized society, as, you know, humans are, theoretically, um, I don't think we'd have to worry about that. Like, there's, you know, we're not hunter and gatherers anymore. Like, sure. that's the only time where, like, you know, when you have to go and, like, fight for your food and, you know, make close-knit groups so that you could survive mm-hmm. is where natural selection would play. And like I'm now also going we, back to, like, have, like, animals. Because, like, we at the core are animals, well, right? Yeah, yeah. So that sort of thing, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't – we behave in, like, a way where we can just go to the grocery store and get food. Sure. So it's not just medical science that's keeping us mm-hmm. from natural selection. It's also, like, how we have collectively agreed in this trade system – to like you provide food, I provide money, and for that money I will work for whatever company yeah. that also provides a service and so on and so forth. So it's not just like medical, it's also just our society, how it works. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean too like, and this this is something also that, that, you know, pulling a full circle could probably be rectified by CRISPR and gene editing, but it's that by keeping people alive who wouldn't normally have been kept alive back in, you know, long time ago. Um, we are perpetuating the um, prevalency of certain genetic disorders. Yes, we are, but we're also becoming more diverse. So I feel Absolutely. like we're protecting ourselves in a sense from diseases and bugs because, you know, for the first time in whatever most places especially like america we are a very big mix uh, melting pot i think mm-hmm. is what it's called where it's many different cultures many different races of people are existing together and 
you know, falling in love and having children and those genes in the past would never, you know, have do, met, have yeah, met for sure. or et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like when, when you mix a more diverse populace together, you get the best of both worlds. Right. You get better genes, you get better antibodies, etc., etc., and therefore you're also preventing potential mm-hmm. loss of disease. Like, for example, like the uh, the banana thing. We had a, bana- a banana apocalypse basically in the fifties, mm-hmm. and that's why like banana candies taste different from bananas. Yeah. Because the candy is based off of the original banana, oh. which we made. Um, basically one gene so a parasite or a bug or whatever came and wiped out all of the bananas and we Mm -hmm. had to like remake the banana and now it tastes different but we've done the same thing because it's all the same yeah so i guess going to the gene editing if we edit them to be perfect everyone would be like this one's perfect Mm -hmm. and they would all eventually slowly become very very similar Mm. and then it would be so, so much easier to wipe out humanity as a whole because they have the same genes that's fair that is absolutely fair all right i mean i think that answers my question i was you know that's just something that i've thought about since you know in in college especially when you're doing like um like a bachelor of science and stuff you have to take biology classes and you have to take classes that talk about evolution natural selection and it's come up so many times But I just think to myself and I go, I mean, there are people out there who, if natural selection was ready to run its course, they would do something really stupid and then that stupidity would would die out with them, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I mean, that happens every 4th of July. Some (laughs) idiot (laughs) sets off a firework in their hands expecting it to go well. Like, natural selection still happens. That's it's just true. not as big as it was. Right. Because then. we can still save people. Because we can still save people. And then maybe teach them, hey, don't light fireworks off while holding them. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of um, room to talk about ethics and science like especially since we're getting to a place where the technology and the research that we are um developing to is now just so advanced and getting so advanced that we're starting to have to face questions that we never thought that we would be facing like is it okay to design your own person and why or why not? Like, is it okay to, like, that sort of thing? Is it okay to edit your genes to remove detrimental um, diseases? That sort of thing. But I guess, too, a question that I have of is where, where are those ethics, where are the pillars of those ethics going to come from? Because I, something that I do see in a lot of, um, there's a lot of protests against scientific research and against specific things. And I find that it's usually religious based against the science. But my question is, why is that okay? Well, I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. Why should it matter what 
religious groups have to say in terms of the laws that are dictating what research goes on. Because well, separation of church and state is a thing mm-hmm. that should be what's happening. Yeah, but I guess my argument is that this is a country of freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And I feel like personal morality also is very important. So whether or not it's a religious group or like vegans or whatever who, you know, they don't, you know, religious people might not want designer babies because they think you're messing with God's will, whereas vegans don't want you to test on animals because, you know, it's a living creature and they don't want you to harm it. I I think that what people have a hard, like, problem with is that maybe just because you don't believe in that religion, you know, it doesn't necessarily make their point invalid. To them, that's important. Yeah, for sure. To them, they they think that, you know, they you shouldn't do this because it's wrong versus, like, the vegans who think you shouldn't, you know, test on animals because they think that's very wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have those discussions whether or not you agree with their points on either side anyway Mm -hmm. because, you know, I feel like as we all talk more about our personal morality, we'll start realizing – we're very similar on the yeah. basis, you know, we don't want to cause harm to others and we don't want to, you know, do whatever that might be a negative. Mm-hmm. I would argue also that, you know, while something might not be considered moral or ethical to them, that especially when it comes to science, if you can't back up with fact or logical reason why you don't want something to happen i don't think that you should have any say or sway over what other people do at all i think that if you don't want to participate in designer babies because you think that it's it's against god's will that's totally fine and i support your decision to do that but i don't think that you should have any say at all about whether or not other people are pursuing that route because it's not with that argument specifically it's not harmful it's not unfair depending on how they use it well physically harm well here's the thing so it's not physically harmful it's not um but it unfair like with that argument not considering anything else that's what i'm saying is that if you want to bring in other arguments to it that's totally fine and i think we should have a conversation about the fact that it might be problematic for... Oh, so you're just saying for God's will. Yes. Sort of thing. Okay. That's, that's what I'm saying is that, yeah. like... Well, yeah, but I think... And I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I have... I think that people should be able to voice their concerns mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, their beliefs. But I, I I agree with that where, where if it is a non-harmful thing, mm-hmm. you know, and could potentially help... Not, I'm not saying right. designer babies, just in general, yeah. could potentially help society and the world as a whole, then maybe... Yeah, I know. don't think that that should be considered. Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, sort of on a tangentially related note, like the topic of like abortions, I'm personally pro-choice. I think that people should always have the... Yeah, the option. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that you know it's the it's the woman's body. They should be able to do what they want. That being said, I am so open to hearing actual legitimate arguments of well, when would it be conception? When would it be like from a scientific standpoint? At what point could would it 
matter, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. have that conversation yeah, exactly. from a scientific standpoint. I'm, I'm always, I'm very pro conversation, no yes. matter the conversation. Like, I think that people have their ideas from maybe how they are raised or maybe mm-hmm. from, you know, they, a show that they watched and they really liked. I don't know. But like, I feel like everyone's ideologies, I feel like it's important to listen to people. Like, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with them or believe what they believe, I feel like having a conversation allows you to sort of understand each other and come to yeah. sort of a conclusion. And I feel like in today's society, we don't do that enough. Like, that's why you turn on any news station and it's always like, oh, you know, Republicans are ridiculous or, oh, Democrats are dumb or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, you guys are throwing little things and I'm pretty sure you guys agree on a lot of the things sometimes. Exactly. And you just won't talk to each other. I think that there's a lot of people who are afraid of having a controversial opinion. Yes. Which to me is very silly because, like, I understand why you, where you might not want to rock the boat or you might not want to be ostracized or that sort of yeah. thing. But you know, my, my mom actually said this to me when I told her I was starting a podcast. She was like, are you sure you want to do that? That's going to be out on the internet forever. And I was like, yeah, it's just a conversation. You know, opinions can change. I'm not saying that my opinion will never change. And yeah, it's more just about having that conversation. And I think it's, I don't think people should be afraid to ask questions oh, and yeah, no. to participate in conversation. And if you think a specific thing, I think it's really important to talk about it but I also think that it's very important to um Listen be to open to side. changing your mind exactly open-mindedness is so important <laughs> oh yeah for you know for example I think to like I believe the earth is round. Will I listen to what flat earthers have to say with an open mind and if anything they say makes sense then sure sure but the thing is, is that the things that they say don't make sense. Yes, yeah. And it's not. So I, I, I would love to have a conversation with someone who believes that the earth is flat and, and just and pick their brain because I, I love going into controversial conversations, especially with people who have opposite opinions of me because I want to know why you think the way that you do. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I also like, have, yeah, I have... Sorry. No, you're fine. Go on. <laughs> I have this weird obsession with abnormal psychology yes. and especially psychopaths and sociopaths. I 100% don't think that I would ever go into a conversation with a serial killer and have them convince me to become one too because they're a sociopath and everything. But I want to know why, like what in the, what in your brain says, yes, this is a thing that I'm going to do. I want to, I want to know what that logic was that led you there Mm -hmm. you know i want to understand yeah because different opinions and different perspectives are so interesting whether you're a serial killer or like Mm -hmm. some flat earther or super religious i feel like their opinions are interesting because to get to an extreme as such yeah it's an i feel like most people yeah you have to live in a box and most people have more open-minded thought processes and so when you find an extreme it might make you a little cranky Mm -hmm. it might make you a little intrigued but either way it's still like a fascinating person to talk to just because how have you made it to this point in your life thinking such extreme ideal ideals you know yeah and I think the thing too is like 
I'm totally, I have, I've had a conversation, so I'm more, I, I would say I'm probably fiscally conservative, socially liberal, but I have had a conversation. I have a friend who is an active Trump supporter and she doesn't tell people that a lot, but we have had conversations about immigration, about all of these things. But the thing is, is that she's not crazy about it. She just, we sit down and she says, this is why I support this and this is my opinion on this. And then, you know, I would explain my side of it. And she said, you know, wow, I never really thought about that. This is, you know, something to consider. Yeah. But it's, I think that's so important. And I think yes, that people yeah. hear, and I'm not going, I mean, I'm I don't want to go in to change the mind. Yeah, exactly. It's not, the whole point of like open-minded discussions aren't to change minds. I'm, you know, because like, Example, that conversation you had with your friend, you obviously didn't support what she thought yeah. to start with, and she didn't support what you thought to start with. Mm-hmm. But you had that conversation. She might have learned something. You also might have learned something. Yeah. And I feel like that's the important thing. Not necessarily that either of your p- opinions have changed. Right. It's like, oh, I can understand you now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that both of us got to a point where we – we're like, you know, I think it would probably be better if 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 society as a whole wasn't so extreme. Yeah. Because yeah. I get where she's coming from. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it, you yeah. know? And I think that if we met somewhere closer in the middle, it would be better for everyone. But the problem right now is that everything's become so polarized, and especially with, you know politics and conversations about science and that's all been tied in together Mm -hmm. and it's just people I'm all here for social justice and for and for um not making anyone feel uncomfortable but I think it is so important that we continue to have conversations and that people are not afraid to have controversial opinions as long as they're not being an asshole about it or actively trying as long as they keep an open mind and are willing to have conversations, I think it's totally okay for people to have whatever opinions they have, mm-hmm. as long as they're not being actively harmful or aggressive with them and they're willing to have conversations and dialogues about it. Yeah, which is why I took a rhetoric class when I was in middle school, and I feel like it really helped me, and I feel like I feel like a lot of people would benefit from having a rhetoric class. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what rhetoric is, it's basically like a debate class mm-hmm. where you you your teacher assigns you a topic and then assigns you a position you know for or against that topic, and you know you could have been assigned a you know being against something that you were always pro for, and I feel like that really like helps you kind of like look at a problem and disregard your personal opinion on it for a moment and be like okay let me look at both sides let me look at what the pro side thinks let me look at what the anti side thinks and kind of like jump into a problem like that and I feel like that's a very important skill that should be taught more Mm -hmm. just so you can like I feel like when you know humans start to understand each other on both sides like that Mm -hmm. you can come to like the the mutual Mm -hmm. like respect even though you have different opinions like because it's so fine to have different opinions Mm -hmm. like no one unless you're on the extreme ends will judge you for having your own personal opinion they might not agree with you but 
that's fine. Let's let's <laughs> let's clarify that. Rational, open-minded people will not judge you for having an opinion. Yes, and we need more rational, open-minded people. So if you so have much. a strong opinion, I you know I'd recommend trying to look at the other side, see what they think, try to get like a general understanding of you know why those people might think that way. And I'm not saying you have to change your opinion in any way, but it's good to like start at that middle ground so that you can understand people around you. Yeah, and I mean, people have their biases. They have their personal bias. They have mm -hmm. their experiences that they grew up with, and it's difficult, I think, to completely understand things from sitting inside a box. And the best way to get out of that box and start to see things from other people's perspectives is to talk to people with different opinions mm -hmm. and you know like Bree said earlier you might get cranky especially <laughs> if that person is being um aggressive about it and i would not let me also just say that i would not suggest arguing with someone who is being aggressive i would suggest having an open dialogue with someone who has a different opinion than you so that you can discuss it and then compare what you think there's really not a point in talking to very aggressive and um non-open-minded non-open-minded people. people if someone's going to stand there and shout at you or not listen to anything that you have to say or try and degrade you as a person for having your opinion that you have there's no point in talking to that person because they already have their mind made up about you mm -hmm. and it might not even be based on any kind of fact but the point would be to get out of that box of not having heard anyone else's opinion and if you are someone who is a more extreme type of person i want to challenge you to step outside of your box because nobody can force you out of that box that's if if someone does not have an open mind and they're not willing to talk about things no amount of trying to talk to that person is going to create an open dialogue it has to be on both sides so only the people who are trying to step outside of their own boxes can participate in that dialogue, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, I would agree, you know, try not to get into random arguments with people over some, over different opinions, but you know, sometimes you'll run into those people and mm -hmm. it's, and it's okay to take that moment and be like, oh, okay, like I understand that this person isn't, you know, open and you can step back from that conversation and be like, hey, you know, if you ever want to have a real discussion, we can do that mm -hmm. because maybe they also need that pu like push out of their box as yeah. well. It's it's hard to it's hard to step out of your comfort zone. It is, and it's hard to have a conversation if you feel like you're being attacked. Yes. And regardless of how I mean it sometimes it's very difficult to word things correctly to not make the other person feel attacked yeah so stop mm -hmm. stepping back and saying listen i'm not trying to come at you i just want to have this conversation i want to listen and listening is so important too i feel like a lot of people go into conversations wanting to talk and wanting to convince but i think it's arguably more important to go into those conversations wanting to listen and wanting to hear yeah. what the other person says as opposed to wanting to talk louder than them yeah yeah how did we get from ethics to this? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's, we talked about ethics and then we talked about 
how to start opening that discussion into ethics and what yes, what okay. needs to happen to start having conversations about ethics and science and just life as a whole. I sometimes wonder about like significant discoveries in history that if they were questioned more, would they have happened? Yeah, exactly. So for example, like nuclear weapons and the, and in the past, how they went from zero to a hundred real quick, if yeah. that would have been questioned more. Yeah. So, so for everybody who's listening, just think about what opinions that you have that are extreme, where you sit on certain scientific um, ethical problems. And I would, we would love to hear what you have to say. Um, so just let us know, talk to somebody, hug a person, have a conversation. Only if they want to be hugged. Only if they want to be hugged. Consent is important. <laughs> um, and have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time on what the podcast. Bye. Bye.